Let's look in 1 John chapter 2. We're working our way through through 1 John. And we've reached verse 26 of chapter 2. It's on page 1022. We've been taking kind of big chunks, but today I'm going to look at just two verses. And um, uh, verse 26. I'll read those two. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. But the anointing that you received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true, and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. This is the first time that the Apostle John has specifically mentioned the false teachers that his readers are dealing with. Um, he mentioned before, you remember that a couple uh, Sundays ago, he mentioned the false teachers, the antichrists that he called them. He mentioned that they're out and about, um, and he's inferred all the way through from chapter 1 all the way up to this point, he's inferred that there are people out there teaching the wrong thing, and that's why he's saying what he's saying. But here's the first place where he brings it home, and he actually mentions it there in verse 26. Look at it. He says, I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. There are people trying to deceive you, and that's what's motivated the apostles. John to write this. Notice the intent of the pe- the, these other people. Look at it in verse 26. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. They're trying to deceive you. Another way of translating the word that in, the, in this version they, they said deceive is lead you astray. Some of you, if you have a different version, English version of the Bible, it might say that. They're trying to lead you astray. Um, in a way, I like that translation better. It's actually more literal, but deceive is fine too. It's the same idea, but lead astray is a better picture. Uh, it's active, and it gives a greater sense of the danger uh, that's involved here. It's as if you're, you're going down a path, but if you listen to these other people, they're going to lead you astray. They're going to actually put you on a different path so that you're going to go in a different direction. You're trading in one destination for another destination. And they aren't telling you that because they are, in fact, deceiving you. And that, but that's what's happening. Your end, the end point, is different than you think. They say that you're going to the same place, but you're not. They're leading you astray. They're putting you on a different path. I don't know if this ever happened to you. It doesn't seem to happen, be as big of a deal these days because everybody's got a, uh, a GPS and we've got MapQuest and Google Maps and everything when we're driving in the car, but, but uh, <clears throat> has it ever happened to you where some kind of middle school prankster kind of a person, the kind of person that had the mind that I had when I was that age, and, they, and you come to an intersection, you know, and they, they just turn the sign? Isn't that great? Uh, I thought it was fun when I was doing it. You know, you, you're trying to go on such and such a road, but some, somebody just turned the sign. So you're driving like, oh, you turn and you go this way. You think you're going in the right direction, but you're on the wrong road. 
And that's what John is saying. That's the idea here of the word deceive. You've been tricked, but you still think you're going in the, in the correct direction, but you're not. You're getting farther away from where you think you're going. In the book of John, 1 John, actually all three, we see these three, these three threads that are constantly woven together. I've mentioned it before. There's the thread of our obedience, that, that, that a person who has been reconciled to God obeys God. And then there's the thread of love, which is part of our obedience, but it deserves its own emphasis. So there's the love that, hey, if you uh, know God, you love your brothers and your sisters. And then there's the thread of, of what our faith is put in, the identity of Jesus Christ. We looked at that last time, um, that he, the Christ, he is the eternal son of God, but has come in the flesh to make propitiation for our sins. Those three threads are continually talked about. John doesn't talk like the Apostle Paul. John's giving me trouble. I'm just letting you know this. I'd gotten comfortable studying the, the letters of Paul. He's so logical, like a lawyer. Uh, John is way more creative. He goes all over the place. But he's saying these three things over and over. And what's, what we're beginning to perceive now is that these, these false teachers were hitting on the same three but telling you the wrong thing. They were saying your obedience and how you live in obedience to God isn't that important. They're saying that they were manifesting that they didn't really love the brothers and sisters and that wasn't that much of an issue for you either. And they were completely wrong about who Christ is and what he's done. So they're out there in the name of Christ, but deceiving. They've changed the road sign. So how do you protect yourself from being led astray? And that's why I picked just these two verses to look at today. Because here in these two verses, I believe are three words of warning for our protection. Three words of warning for our protection. The first one is this. John is saying, stick to the truth that you've been taught. Stick to the truth that you've been taught. Look at verse 27 again. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything, and is true and is no lie, just as it is taught you, abide in him. You see there about halfway through where he says, you have no need that anyone should teach you. And then he says, the anointing teaches you about everything. When I was a young, young Christian, just became a Christian, I came across this. I was really confused. I thought, we're not supposed to have any teachers? And then I've heard, I've heard other people that take this verse. People do crazy things with the Bible. Have you noticed? Just crazy things. They take one verse, don't even bother about any of the verses around it, and just run with it to places that it shouldn't go. So I've heard people say that this verse means that we don't have to be taught. There are so many things in the Bible that would, count, would show you the proper understanding, but I'm not going to go down all those trails. I'm just going to say one thing right here. We don't even have to leave 1 John. 1 John chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5 is teaching. Got it? 
So John is obviously not saying that there's no reason or no use for you to have any teachers. He's teaching. So what does it mean? Look up at verse 21. In 21 he says, I write to you, not because you do not know the truth, but because you know it, and because no lie is of the truth. Then look at verse 24. Let what you heard from the beginning, you've heard it from the beginning already. You know the truth, he said in 21. What you heard from the beginning, let it abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. What he's saying is that the fundamental truths, the fundamental truths, you know them. We preach that to you already. And they are unchanging. They, they sit there, they're the same. So you don't need someone from the outside to come in and teach you the truth. You already know the truth. And the spirit within you has shown that to you. The Apostle Paul, uh, he ran into some trouble in the church in Galatia. It was different. There were false teachers there too. But they were, they were teaching a different falsehood. But listen to what he said to the Galatians. <clears throat> so this is Paul. He said, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. So he now introduces the word gospel. John didn't use that word, but Paul is saying this is the gospel truths, the basic truths. You know them. That's, that's what the Apostle John is saying. You don't need somebody else to come in and tell you. You know those things. And Paul went on. He said, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we've said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed, meaning let the judgment of God fall upon him. And so that's uh, when we look at, at, at 1 John chapter 2. I believe that that's what John is saying. There's plenty to be taught. But you don't have to be hungry and look out somewhere for the, for the gospel. And, and um, these people who've turned the signpost, they've got, they're distorting the gospel and they're, they're taking you off. They're saying that they've got some teaching that you need that's fundamental and, and basic, foundational. And, and John is saying, no. You know, <clears throat> I want to stop here and just ask a question. Are you hungry for the new and for the novel in terms of teaching? I've noticed over the years that some people are like that. Some people are always wanting something new. They're always wanting, their, you know, some preacher comes across the website or radio or whatever with something, a little twist, and they're saying that they've got something that most of you don't have, but they've got it, 
So you've got to listen to them. And some people gravitate to that real fast. Don't be that way. Don't be that way. For 16 years, I have been preaching to you the same gospel. And for 24 years before that, Ron Mahuron preached to you the same gospel. And I don't know of a pastor of this church for its over 125 year history that has preached a different gospel. You have heard the gospel. Amen. You know the fundamentals. You know the foundational truths. Somebody comes out with something new. Tell them to have fun with that. Even the communion table, which is for this morning, reminds us of this truth. That we, that what we put our faith in stays the same. It's Christ, the Christ, punished in our place. The bread, this is my body. The Christ, come in the flesh, just like we, we looked at last time. The cup, the blood, punished in our place. The Christ, punished in our place. We don't try to jazz up the communion service. We don't try to change it up. We don't try to do something different every month. Every month it's the same because the object of our faith is the same because the gospel is the same and we're not going to change it. Amen? It's not ours to change actually. So the first word of warning about our protection from being deceived and led astray that the Apostle John gives us is stick to the truth that you've been taught. <clears throat> then, But the second, there's another one that goes in tandem with it. And the second word of warning is depend on the Spirit who resides within. Look again at verse 27. Look how it starts. But the anointing that you received from Him abides in you. <clears throat> Later in the second sentence of that verse, it says his anointing. He speaks about the anointing twice there. We know that the anointing is a spirit. It's the Holy Spirit come upon our lives. Look at chapter 3, verse 24. <clears throat> chapter 3, verse 24. It's the last verse in, in that chapter. The last sentence. And by this we know that he abides in us. By the Spirit whom He has given us. By the Spirit whom He has given us. That's the anointing. It's the Holy Spirit come upon my life and indwelling me, actually residing within me. So you have what some call the objective and the subjective aspects of our protection from evil. Objective and subjective. The correct doctrine the correct statement of truth <clears throat> and understanding of, sta of that truth, excuse me, <clears throat> is objective. The ministry of the Spirit within me is subjective. John Stott says this, Here then are the two safeguards against error, the apostolic word and the anointing spirit. Man, I love that. I love that. The apostolic word and the anointing spirit. What I'm preaching to you is the apostolic word. You see, I don't make it up. I'm, I'm just trying to take what's written 
And I pray, oh God, help me to say it right. Help me to not inject myself into this. Help me to explain it correctly. The apostle wrote this. This is the apostolic word. And then there's the anointing spirit within. The word, John Stott says, is an objective safeguard while the anointing of the Spirit is a subjective experience. But both the apostolic teaching and the heavenly teacher are necessary for the continuance in the truth. The Spirit's work in your heart was the beginning of you receiving eternal life. Amen? That was a weak amen, but I'll take it. But now you continue in your walk with God by leaning on the Spirit. Your walk with God began because of the Spirit, and it continues because of the Spirit. It was not your smarts or your wonderfully soft heart that got you to the place that you received eternal life. And it won't be your smarts or your heart that will keep you walking with God. It was God that got you saved, and it is God that will keep you close to him. So look, not just for being correct, but for being close, relationally close to God. I want to ask a couple questions here. And the first one is this. Have you been born again? A religious leader named Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and began to talk to him. And then Jesus, you find this account in John chapter 3, says this, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the spirit. Your life with God begins because of the Holy Spirit on your life. He comes upon your life and opens your eyes. And you believe in Jesus Christ in a saving way. You're born again. Jesus said it clearly. Unless you're born again, you're not going to see the kingdom of heaven. And so I come back to my question. Have you been born again? If you're not sure, don't let go of God until you are sure, until he gives you the confidence that you are his. And if you want to talk to me or one of the other pastors or someone, there's going to be some folks down here after the service is over. Come down and talk. I've said this before. There was a time when I wasn't born again, and now I am born again. And so it is for everyone in this room who is born again. There was a time where you crossed, where I crossed the line, and you, many of you crossed the line. If you're still on the other side of the line, today could be the time where you crossed the line. Today could be the time where you actually see Christ with eyes of faith and trust him. Have you been born again? 
But a second question I want to ask those who have been born again, and I want to say it this way. Having been born again, have you drifted into living as if there is no spirit in you to personally rely on? Sure, the Spirit came upon you and opened your eyes and, 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 and reconciled you to God. You see now, experientially, you've come to know God. But as the years have gone by, you've drifted, drifted, drifted. And your day, your, tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up on Monday. You're going to go to work. And you're not, you're not functionally a Christian. You're a functional atheist. You're not leaning on the indwelling spirit every day. Will there be any difference between your Monday and an atheist Monday? You see, what John is saying is, saying, you know what? You, one of the aspects that keeps you from being deceived and going down the wrong road, it's the anointing. It's the Holy Spirit within you. Friends, we need to live not as functional atheists. We need to live leaning on God who indwells us by His Spirit. And a little, a slightly different question. It's related, but it's a little different. I want to ask this. Are you operating in your mind as if being correct is the sum total of what it means to be a Christian? You've got, you've got your doctrine straight, you see. But that's it. You're not really experiencing the filling and the, and the movement of the Spirit in your life, but you've got it right. You've got your facts right. John Stott, again, I, I ended, I didn't read everything he said, uh, but he said, both the apostolic teaching and the heavenly teacher are necessary for continuance in the truth. And both are to be personally and inwardly grasped. This is the biblical balance too seldom preserved by men. Oh, it's, it's so true. We always run to an extreme. There's some people that are looking for an experience of the Spirit, and then they don't pay any attention to doctrine and truth. And then there are others that run over here, and their whole experience with God is just doctrine and truth, and they shy away from the work of the Spirit in them. But, but it's both. You see it in 1 John? It's both. And it's not just here. The Old Testament foretold this. Speaking about the new covenant, Isaiah the prophet in chapter 59 said this, And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth. Isn't that awesome? He's saying exactly, well, let's say John is saying exactly what Isaiah said. This is the new covenant. It's the truth and it's the indwelling spirit. So John continues, and he's, he's already said, stick to the truth that you've been taught, depend on the Spirit who resides within, and then thirdly, make Jesus Christ your earnest focus. Look again at verse 27. But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie. And then here it comes. Just as it has taught you, 
abide in him. Abide in him. I'm so glad that I get the next paragraph to preach on before I go on my writing assignment. I'm going to be here next week because we'll explore in more detail what it means to abide in Christ. You look at verse 28. See, look, look at verse 28, how it starts. Uh, and now, little children, abide in him. And the whole next paragraph is about abiding in Christ. Um, so I have more time. I don't have to say everything that there is to be said about abiding with Christ today. So that's a good thing. We, we see, he says, abide in, in Christ, abide in Him. So there's the word abide. But for today, I want to focus on the words in Him. In Him. In Him. Jesus Christ. We have not merely been convinced that a teaching about him is true. We have encountered him personally. Fundamentally, what we have with God is not a religion. It is a relationship. He is to be the earnest focus of my life. You know, I'm married. This wonderful woman over here for 35 years. 35 and counting. But knowing facts about my wife and relating to her, those are, well, they're related, but they are actually two different things. I can know her height, her hair color, other facts about her. I know her likes and dislikes. I know her favorite foods and colors. But then what if I don't talk to her? I don't listen to her. I don't do things together with her. I don't look into her eyes and see her looking into mine. What kind of marriage is that? It's not much of a relationship. Some people, and I don't think we have a great problem with this here, but in case there are one or two of you, let me say this. Your walk with God is a little bit like pulling out the marriage certificate. You pull the marriage certificate and, and, and look at it and you get all excited. Because you're looking at the marriage certificate and you're saying, hey, I'm married. I'm married. You look at the teachings of scripture and you get all excited. But you're not looking into the eyes of your Savior and sensing his eyes looking into yours. It's all propositions of truth. Where is the experience of depending upon the Holy Spirit who resides within you to enable you to, by faith, Seek and see the face of Christ. Don't get me wrong. We need to know the truths of Scripture. That's the first point. Stick to what you've been taught. That's the first point. But that is a means towards an end. It is not the end in itself. Abide in Him. We're to make Him our earnest focus. But John has given us a warning, words of warning for our protection. Three of them. The first is stick to the truth and you've been taught. Second is depend on the spirit who resides within. And lastly, make Jesus Christ your earnest focus. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to look more into this abiding because that's what John does. But for today, with all that's been said and all that the spirit has nudged you, 
I want us to have a moment of silence where, of time of prayer where each of us can pray and respond in our own heart towards what the Lord has nudged you about. The person sitting next to you, it might be something different. You don't worry about the person sitting next to you. You just worry about yourself. So let's pray, and I'll close us in just a moment. Oh, Lord, our very life is yours. Our very life, we, our very existence is due to you. And those of us who have been born again, we give you all the praise. It wasn't us that made that happen. It was you. Forgive us, Lord, for drifting here and there. Protect us, Lord, from those who would deceive us and lead us down the wrong path. And Father, we do pray, though, this morning as we get close now to the Lord's table, we do pray, O oh Father, that you would revive within us a real walk with you, that we look into your face with eyes of faith and see you looking into ours, and that we remain committed to the truth and knowing it. May we be uh, the balanced ones. Work that afresh in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.